The following program contains spoilers. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Midwest Movie Maniacs. I'm your host, Damian D, and I have a new co-host this week because Mark Storm is MIA. If you heard the last episode, you know things got a little crazy, and after we wrapped up the show, he disappeared. Haven't heard from him since. So I went out on a mission. I searched from coast to coast, and I found a new co-host who I think is going to do great. His name is Heath Lambert. And I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about himself. Go ahead, Heath. Hey, everybody. Um, well, you didn't have to search coast to coast because the Midwest is, you know, <laughs> the corridor up the middle. So you don't have to go too far. Okay, well, from the coast of the Midwest to the other coast of the Midwest. Sure. Yeah, I'm Heath. I have a podcast of my own called That's So Random, a random movie podcast, which isn't entirely horror because my movies each week are chosen completely at random from everything streaming. But given that there's 80,000 horror movies on Tubi. Chances are pretty good. So I do a lot of horror on there. And I'm happy to be here. I'm a little worried for you that perhaps Storm is, like, I mean, like, is he, like, is there a manhunt underway? Is he living in your walls, perhaps? I'm worried that you're in danger. Um, as far as I know, there is nobody looking for him. Maybe because the episode didn't get a whole lot of listens, so the authorities are not aware of what took place. I don't believe he's living in my walls, but I have heard some strange noises in the night. So now you got me a little concerned. I would I would investigate that. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I definitely will look into that or maybe I'll just get a big dog. That would work, too. <laughs> but yeah, I'm a big horror guy. I mean, I, when I was a kid, you know, the, the, I was in kind of a not super strict, but fairly strict Christian family. We'd always go to the video store, you know, mom and dad are in a their movie and we can pick our movie. And I would always sneak off to the horror movies that I know because there's no already movies in our house. But I would just look at the boxes like, what is that? What is that? Oh my God, there's a drill on that guitar and he's going to kill that lady with it. What is that? Like, I was so into part partially because it was forbidden fruit, but partially because it's just the imagery is so like striking and iconic, you know, on those old VHS boxes, those old horror movie posters. Right. That it's like instantly just plants a seed in your head of like one day when I'm out from under the thumb of these tyrants that I live with, I'm going to watch all of this shit. Yeah. I luckily didn't have that problem because my parents pretty much let me watch whatever I wanted to watch. Uh, so I've been watching the horror movies since probably way younger than I should have been watching them, but I'm not the one that stabbed somebody on the last episode. So I think I turned out okay. Yeah. I have, I have yet to stab anyone. So I mean, allegedly, stab somebody on the last episode allegedly sure yes yes for legal reasons that's right well what are we talking about today movie wise well i ask as if i don't know <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who have been listening since the beginning or have gone back and listened to the beginning uh, first few episodes you know that the show kicked off reviewing a not so great movie called bloody murder and i figured since this is the relaunch it was only appropriate that we relaunch with the sequel Bloody Murder 2, Closing Camp. And um, 
yeah, if you've seen the first movie or heard the uh, episode about the first movie, it didn't get any better this time around. I feel, well, I did, because I'm a thorough researcher-ish, um, I did watch Bloody Murder 1 in preparation for this, as well as Bloody Murder 2, which came out three years later, I think. I maybe we'll disagree on this. I, I think in almost every way it is a better, it's not a good movie. Don't make that mistake. Don't get it twisted. But I think in almost every way, it is a better movie than the first one. Um, for me, yeah, I guess I guess in some ways, but in some ways, it kind of felt like they were trying to make the same movie again. Yeah, especially in the beginning, because the movie opened up with people showing up at the camp, introducing people to everybody the same way the first one did. Then they're all sitting around and they go, hey, do you want to play bloody murder? And then they have the uh, guy who pretends to be Trevor Morehouse and scares somebody. And I'm like, am I watching the same fucking movie? But the difference is the first time they were setting up the cake and this time they're tearing down the cake. You see, that's an important (laughs) distinction. Well, at least they said they were. I don't think I ever saw anybody actually doing any tearing down or closing up of anything. Not a lick of work. No. No. And... Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the movie open with the camp, the manager, the owner, whatever he was, introducing people to each other as if they were just meeting for the first time? I think he was just introducing the one guy who's hitchhiking to get to USC, James or whatever, who has a scholarship. Ah. He was like new. He just rolled in, so he was introducing them. Okay. The movie actually opened with a dream dream sequence that got me a little bit excited because it was snow. There was snow on the ground, <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, I've always wanted." I'll probably never get a Jason movie in the snow or, you know, I want a Jason movie in the snow. And this is probably the closest we'll ever get to that, as sad as that is. But then the dream sequence, halfway through the dream sequence, the snow is gone and there's no more snow. So I'm kind of excited. For nothing. Yeah. And then uh, the thing about that that got me was I believe it was real snow because it definitely appeared to be real. But the girl was barefoot and you, they showed a close up of her feet crunching into the snow. Yeah. And I'm like, I hope they were paying her a lot of money to walk in snow barefoot. But I don't think they were, considering this movie probably didn't have a lot of money to pay anybody. You know, it's a lot to throw around. But then when she turns around to talk to the other person in her dream, she's in a different place where, like, there's still trees and stuff, but the snow is gone. So I don't know. Right. And if I remember correctly, wasn't the person she was talking to Jason? Yeah, this is Tracy is the girl we're talking about. And it's her brother, Jason. It's not the same actor, but it was the, the character from the first movie who I couldn't tell you what happened to him at the end of that movie. I think he was the one who like lived and was like walking away at the end and then got attacked. It's a different actor, so it's hard to put the face to it. Um, I don't remember. It's been a while since I watched the first one. I know there was somebody named Jason because I thought it was ironic that they thought Jason was the killer and the movie was clearly ripping off Friday the 13th with the guy in a hockey mask. And then you know they think that it's Jason. And I'm like, no, that's the wrong Jason. You definitely would know if it was Jason. He's got a way better hockey mask than that generic shit your dude's wearing. Which I got rid of in this one. The, the, the mask isn't a hockey mask anymore. It's more of like a, almost like the stranger's kind of like a China doll face. Yeah, it's just like a, a white face mask. Like, it looks like the kind of mask that you would buy and paint up to make it look like whatever you want it to look like. It was just like a blank white face. Yeah. And I thought it was kind of boring, even though I didn't like the generic Jason hockey mask i kind of wish they would have just brought that back because that was better than this blank white face that the guy had this time around yeah i mean i get it kind of makes sense because it's since it's a different killer because first let's talk about the trevor morehouse business because we've had two movies now where they talk up trevor morehouse trevor morehouse trevor morehouse he's the jason Voorhees. even morehouse and Voorhees are kind of you know and he does not appear in either of these movies 
he's not actually a character in the movies because both times the killer is someone pretending to be. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I was kind of hoping with the way the first one ended, I was kind of hoping the second one would pick up from that point because they gave you the impression that the real Trevor Morehouse showed up at the end of the movie. But then this one just starts out with a dream sequence. And then we hear that the Jason character was killed, but no Trevor Morehouse. And then, of course, there's, you know, it's Trevor Morehouse. He doesn't exist. It's Trevor Morehouse. He doesn't exist. And it's like, come on, people. We've been down this road before. How do you guys not believe in this character when all these people were killed at this camp? And they talked about people being killed there. So they know people were killed. Yeah, that's the question that I have about this sheriff, which, I mean, we'll come to find out why. but. My initial thoughts when the sheriff shows up are he's like, not sure if he believes that there's someone, like, someone's telling you it's happening again. Maybe you should fucking pay attention yeah. and not blow it off. Yeah. <laughs> but he has his reasons, we'll find out, so. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, in this dream, Tracy's saying to her brother, she's like, mom and dad want you to come home, and he's like, I can't, he won't let me, which amounts to nothing. <laughs> right. You thought, I thought maybe, you know, there'd be some sort of payoff. Nope. Not at all. It means absolutely nothing. Yeah, I, I don't even know. Do we see? I think we see Jason again one more time, don't we? Later in the movie. Well, he get, he gets in this dream. In this dream, the end of the dream, he gets a chainsaw through the back, which is already a better looking effect than any of the effects that were in the first movie. I think the acting overall in this one, while still not great by any means, is better than any performance in the first movie. It probably helps that it's sort of a real director who made this one it's he also did leprechaun five um he's done a bunch of tv since then he did the first witchcraft do you know what the witchcraft franchise is yes because he did the first one of those the straight to vhs softcore porn <laughs> porn series yes a favorite as a teenage boy the guy responsible for the softcore porn horror movies was responsible for this movie which at some points kind of felt like it was going down the softcore porn route yeah because the first one like teased like oh there's gonna be Naked ladies in this, no, there wasn't, but there wasn't. The first one had no, not that I recall, had no nudity at all. This one does. And it's not just one scene. It's one girl. It is just one girl. But she shows her stuff multiple times. And honestly, when she first appeared, I just had a feeling. Like, just the character, the vibe the character was given. I'm like, I just have a feeling like this character is going to end up naked at some point. And then they talk about you show your tits and then you end up getting killed or whatever. They're talking about that. And I'm like, yeah, obviously someone's going to show their tits and they're going to get killed. Yeah, you can tell that this because this is 2003. You can tell that this is a post scream slasher movie because there's some kind of not to the level that scream is, but there's some kind of meta stuff in here. Like there's a conversation between the one black character, Elvis is his name, and the other girl, uh, Sophie about which of them will die first and he wins the argument because he's the one black guy and she's like yeah but you know sometime i'll be naked i'll have my boobs out and then i'll get killed and he's like yeah but you don't have to put get your boobs out i have to be black so it's like this meta commentary kind of you know post screen kind of concept right but i wish they would have had that conversation but then not have him die like don't talk about the stereotype and then have the stereotype become a reality talk about it But then, surprise, the black guy doesn't die in this horror movie. We're not going to do what you expect us to do. Or even have him turn out to be the killer or something. Something to defy that expectation rather than just playing into it. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. And then they also mention the girl, if you get your boobs out, you die. And then the girl gets her boobs out and she dies. So it's like, you just did all the shit that you talked about. You had the opportunity to throw a curveball and be like, look. Black guy lives, girl that shows her boobs lives, have them be the final two people that defeat the killer. 
or like you said, have one of them end up being the killer and the other one is the one that kills the killer. Surprise. It's not how you thought it was going to be. But instead, they're like, yeah, guess what? She showed her boobs. She dies. He's black. He dies. Stereotypical horror movie. We need a sex positive slasher film. <laughs> That's like all the people who have sex are just fine. And it's the people who don't think they kill. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Certainly be a little less predictable. Yeah. Let's have a movie where all the virgins die and the sexually active characters live. Stop acting like you deserve to be punished because you have sex. Sex is a natural thing that people do. It's ridiculous. Well, but I mean, but you're the big, you're the big Jason fan, and that's I mean, that's the number one perpetrator of that <laughs> trope. Kind of invented that trope almost. But that's not why I'm a Jason fan. I just sure. like the character. I like the the look. I like the creativity and the kills. I'm not. Uh, oh, I like him because he kills people that have sex. Like I like him because he kills people. Period. And he also, I mean. He will kill anybody. He's not like, oh, you're a virgin? Then you can leave. It's not like that. I mean, if you're there, he wants you dead. He will kill you. And he also has a reason for not liking people who have sex because people were having sex when he was drowning. So he's got a reason for being angry at sex because he's like, if it wasn't for sex, I wouldn't have drowned or almost drowned, depending on which version of Jason. Or or whatever his origin is this week. Yeah. Yeah. But we're not talking about Jason. I mean, we might as well be. It's They want so badly to be Jason. But but yeah, Rick, Rick is in charge of the camp. He's got all these kids that he's... They don't, it doesn't even seem like they're counselors. They just seem like they're kids that he hired to help. Well, some of them are because they talk about how they miss the kids that were there that summer or whatever. Yeah. And some of them just seem like people he hired to help put stuff away for the winter or whatever. Yeah. Angela's the girl we were talking about who gets naked. Her boyfriend is Ryan, who's in trouble with Rick because he left a wood shiver out in the rain and ruined it. And he did the same thing previously with leaf blower, weed whacker or something. So he's an irresponsible kid who's costing Rick money and he's not happy about it. Right. And then there's, yeah, there's James who's hitchhiking to USC because he has a scholarship in what? I don't know if they even say. Track football? I don't know. Uh, did, didn't care enough to pay attention. Sure. <laughs> um, I know there's, a, yeah, there's Sophie... Tracy's boyfriend is Mike. I think that's everybody. Elvis. And Elvis the Black Guy, yeah. I don't know if this movie is supposed to be set in 2003 or if it's supposed to be set in the earlier in the... Because the first one's set in the 80s, right? Uh, or am I misremembering? I don't know if they ever specifically say that it is, but it feels like it is. And if this is supposed to be five years after that, maybe this is the late 80s or the... Yeah. But... I don't know. Yeah, that night they're playing Bloody Murder again, which is such a both movies get their title from that but it's such a small part yeah. of the movie <laughs> you know whereas like april fool's day that entire that movie entirely hinges on the fact that it's april fool's day for everything in that movie to work kind of i guess friday 13th is the same way it doesn't like <laughs> that name once established it's not like it always happens on friday 13th or something right but, but the bloody murder thing it's just it's a game that they play in both movies and then it's never mentioned again. It's a game that doesn't even really make any sense. I mean, I guess it's basically just hide and seek, but I don't remember the rules. I know in the first one, they laid out the rules and it was kind of confusing, but it's essentially hide and seek. But in both movies, it's the same thing. They play the game so that one character can wear a mask and scare another character. And both scenes are almost identical, except in the first one, the kid falls and cracks his head on a rock. And the second one, the kid doesn't. He still falls, but he doesn't crack his head on a rock. And there's some discussion 
the well tracy does tracy's the one who doesn't want to play and there's a discussion about how like oh, god it's insensitive that you guys would even ask her to play bloody murder like you guys know her brother was here and like vanished five years ago when all these other kids got killed so of course she doesn't want to play she wants to leave, leave you know right mike goes with her her boyfriend and this guy listen mike no means no my man because he's she's telling him like like how many different ways does she need to say like i'm not ready to have sex with this he's a pressure pressure guy immediately i'm like oh i hope he's killed (laughs) well the thing is that i was wondering is when they were like you know her brother disappeared from this camp five years ago why would she even go and work at the camp that her brother was working at when he disappeared yeah that's a good question too (laughs) unless she thought somehow i don't know maybe it's closure for her she never i mean we never talk about it but yeah. maybe it's closure for her. Or she thought maybe if I'm out there, I can go looking for Because there's a point where she's looking around with binoculars for no reason. Maybe she's looking for her. But I don't know. She was looking for a uh, inner tube. Oh, that's what it was. That's right. There was one inner tube missing and the one guy was going to drive around to the other side of the lake and she was going to look for the uh, look with the binoculars, which I, I mean, it's an inner tube. Is it really that important that you got to go to that length to find it? Um, we also get the Trevor Morehouse backstory here, which is he was teased or something by some other campers or counselors or something and fell into a ravine and birds ate his face <laughs> that's why he he didn't die he went to a mental institution and that's why he wears a mask because his face is fucked up from birds eating it which is all right that's, that's as far as backstories go kind of cool i guess sure sounds legit i mean we've all been there you fall down birds come and try to eat your face but that's the thing the carrot that trevor morehouse character is still very much an urban legend since they never caught him or anything but you know that, like, it's not an urban legend that people were murdered here. Right. We know that for a fact. So then who did it? If you don't know, like, you never caught the guy. So it just keeps perpetuating the Trevor Morehouse. Right. Well, that's the thing. Because in the first movie, I mean, we know in the first movie who the killer was in that movie. But then at the end of the movie, we see what we assume is Trevor Morehouse. He shows up. But then there's never any explanation as to who it was that showed up at the end of the movie. Because obviously it wasn't the guy like whatever his name was, the killer in the first movie, they they got rid of him. So he wasn't the killer that showed up at the end of the movie when the kid was walking down the street. Well, this movie posits that the killer at the end of the first movie was the killer in this movie, which I don't know that that completely makes sense either. But I guess my thing would be, if you know for a fact that all the kids five years ago were killed by this girl, Drew, pretending to be Trevor Morehouse, then why isn't the urban legend now about, oh, it's Drew, Drew's going to get you. Instead of, you know, well, it was it wasn't Drew. It was the uh, the counselor, the guy that owned the camp. Oh, that's right. No, that's right. She imagines it's Drew, and then... yeah, the girl thinks it's Drew because she thinks that Drew killed her father. But then it turns out that it's the guy. I can't remember his name. He had two names because he was using a fake name. But then they found his real name because he went to he was at the camp when Trevor Morehouse was at the camp, I believe. And something I don't even remember, but for some reason. He was motivated to come back and kill people because of something that had happened when he was at the camp. And then um, I believe Drew doesn't Drew shoot him. Doesn't she kill him? Yeah, she's she's like the red. I forgot. Yeah, she's the red herring because it was her. She was the pregnant. She was the baby that the pregnant lady was having at the very beginning. And it's her father that got killed. Right. But she doesn't kill the guy because I remember he puts him in the he puts the guy in the police car and the cop says, I get why you killed this person, this person, and this person, but why did you kill these people? And he says, I didn't. Maybe it was Trevor Morehouse. And then the cop shuts the door and they drive off. And then that's when you get the girl and the nerdy kid 
and then her douchebag boyfriend and the girl and the nerdy kid drive off and leave the douchebag. And then he starts walking and then boom, what we assume is Trevor Morehouse jumps out of the woods to kill him. And then we get to this movie. And I guess, yeah, maybe the killer in this movie might have been who killed him at the end of the first movie. Well, he, he claims that in this movie, he claims that he is. Because when he's talking to Tracy, he's like, oh, yeah, I killed your brother. And then what? He just hung around waiting for the, I guess, hung around for five years waiting for the next group of people to, I don't know. Well, I mean, he had a job. Well, he does have a job. <laughs> he wasn't just chilling there. I mean, he, we know he had a job because we know what his job is. And, you know, when we get there, yeah, you know, we'll talk about that. But. Um, so they're playing bloody murder. James is it first and gets pranked just like in the first movie. And then the pranksters walk off and he meets the real killer who cuts off both of his legs. So they're say goodbye to that scholarship. You're not running track or whatever. Right. I don't know. I mean, obviously I've never had my legs cut off in a violent manner, but I thought it was kind of weird that when his legs were getting cut off, he started throwing up. I could see either from shock or from, I mean, if you look down and there's bloody stumps where your legs used to be, I could see that making you a little queasy. (laughs) I mean, I get it when the guy, when the killer threw the severed leg up by him and he looked at it, I get it then that he would throw up because he just saw his own leg sitting there. But while he was having his leg cut off, he started throwing up. And I just thought that was kind of odd. But like I said, I've never been in that scenario. So maybe that's a, a thing that would happen. Maybe that's your body's reaction to everything going on around you. I don't know. I thought it was an all right touch instead of, you know, the usual kind of, oh, fuck you. I'm going to get, you know, how dare you cut off my legs. I'm going to kill you or just screaming hysterically, you know. Yeah. Or the the all too often used spitting out blood. Yeah. When your legs are <laughs> like he cut off my foot. I'm spitting up blood. Like, no, wait, what? So, I mean, I guess, yeah, they didn't go for that. They were doing something a little different. And it was probably also just meant to be kind of a gross thing. Because it's like somebody throwing up is pretty nasty. That's a real button for me. I can handle gore, all that stuff. But watching people vomit, not for me. Yeah. Not for me. I can't hear it. I can't see it. (laughs) It's not good. I hear you. It's pretty gross. Uh, Luckily, this movie was not presented in (laughs) smell-o-vision. No. (laughs) So Tracy goes to extend an olive branch to Mike. Like, hey, I'm sorry that I won't put out. And it made you so angry. But, you know, I got a lot on my mind. I'm like back at the camp where my brother disappeared. I'm still kind of dealing with that. Like, we'll get there, I promise. You know, and, and she brings him some kind of present, but I don't know. If, it doesn't really matter what it is. I don't remember what it was either. But Don't know. And they get called to breakfast in the mess hall the next morning. And we meet Juanita, the Spanish maid, who works at this camp, <laughs> which I found kind of funny. Yeah. It's like a Latina woman, and she's in a straight up maid's uniform. Yeah. Like, she just walked off the set of the Clue movie or something like <laughs> that. It's a very odd choice. She doesn't really have a purpose. Like she's there. We meet her. She like says a couple of things and then apparently just leaves because they mentioned later that she disappeared, but we never see her get killed. So I'm assuming she just like said what she needed to say and then just got the fuck out of there. Yeah. She has a conversation with Rick once people start disappearing, because at this point, James has disappeared. I think once the second or third person disappears, she's like, hey, Mr. Rick, I believe in Trevor Morehouse. Like, peace out. I'm going to cook you guys some stuff and put it in the freezer so you're good for a couple of days. And then I'm leaving. Yeah. I just thought it was hilarious that she's at camp dressed <laughs> in a straight up, like a Halloween store made, sexy made uniform. <laughs> it's so crazy. But, but also she was cooking. She wasn't even doing maid duty. She was cooking. So right. she, she should have been in a chef's uniform would have made more sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Or like a lunch lady uniform, something, something. Maybe that's the only thing they could find at the Halloween store or the local uh, costume shop at the time. Um, One thing I noticed is 
this movie is supposed to be they're closing up a summer camp. And uh, I'm assuming because it's called a summer camp that it should be taking place in the summertime. But there are multiple scenes where people are outside talking to each other and you can visibly see breath coming out of their mouth as they're breathing and talking. And I don't know exactly where they're supposed to be, but I know where I live in the summertime. You don't see your breath when you're standing outside, even at night. Yeah, even if it was the end of summer, you know, which, you know, there's a lot like mid, late August or something, even early September. Yeah, you wouldn't, should not be seeing your breath, especially in, I want to say you're in California, which makes it even worse. But even if it's supposed to be New Jersey or something like September's not that cold yet. Yeah, I mean, maybe we missed the part where they said uh, Camp Placid Pines was in Alaska. (laughs) Then I would have got my snow, goddammit. There's just something about the idea of like blood splashing on snow. It's like such a good visual, and we never really—it's pretty rare to get that. Especially in like slasher movies, there aren't a lot of them that take place in the snow, and I just want that. It's a cool-looking thing. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why. I guess because nobody wants to run around in the snow long enough to make a movie. I mean, there's Red versus Dead, but that was a zombie thing, so a little different. Uh, yeah. Then we have Sophie and Elvis have their conversation about who, you know, the black guy will die before the crow gets the boobs out. It's speaking of getting moves out. Ryan and Angela are having sex in the shower. And we have extended shots of her boobs. Unnecessarily long, lingering shots. It's like, come on, guys. Not only that, but she is constantly positioned in a way so that even though, like, if you're in sex in the shower, at some point you should be facing towards each other, you know, so that, like, he's covering her breasts. Yeah. But she is constantly turned with her back to his chest. So that she's always pointed at the camera. <laughs> yeah. And he do, he's just doing a lot of like neck kissing. He's just kissing her on the neck and rubbing his hands all over her. I don't think they actually even have sex in that scene. I think it's just a lot of rubbing and kissing, more or less just an excuse to get boobs on camera for a very long period of time. Yeah. And she'll have sex in the woods with someone later. And then they do the same thing where she is back to them so that the camera is pointed at her breasts. And it's a very obvious and chintzy, but. Yeah, they, I guess they don't actually have sex in the shower because they get interrupted by the world's most annoying pager. Yeah, right. Which also tells me this isn't 2003. Like, we were past pagers in 2003, right? Maybe I'm misremembering. I, I'm old, but. Maybe. Or, I don't know, because there was a period of time where they had the pagers where you could, like, respond. They were, like, little text message machines. Yeah. I remember that, and that might have been around that time. But I don't think that's what he had. It was like a pager with a flip top lid because he opened it up to read what it said. That's true. Yeah, it was like a text. Like a, was that a Blackberry? Is that what that was? I never had one. I don't remember. <laughs> but maybe, I don't know. I know Blackberries were a phone, but maybe originally they were the little text machines. But the noise, the noise this thing makes, instead of just being like, boop, boop, or like, it's almost like a video game song. It's I'm not going to do an imitation of it, but it's <laughs> super annoying and high pitched and loud. And yeah, well, I mean, different ring, man. It makes sense because they tried to ignore it, but it was so annoying that they had to stop what they were doing so he could go and respond or turn it off. Um, If it would have just did a beep beep or a beep beep beep, they would have ignored it and continued to have sex. But obviously we had to have the whole, I'm pissed because we had to stop having sex. Oh, he's calling me to go and meet him at some random place so we can talk about what happened. And then uh, we get another excuse to show her naked as she's getting dressed. And then we see where he went, which is just some random location out in the woods, which seems like a very odd place to meet your boss to talk about something you did wrong at work. Yeah, that's suspect, <laughs> especially when someone's already missing. Yeah. Why wouldn't you be like, uh, I'll just meet you in your office? Yeah, or in the mess hall in front of everyone or 
I mean, maybe it's supposed to be a private conversation because I'm going to yell at you again, but I don't know. Yeah, but also this guy didn't come across as a genius or anything, so he was probably just like, okay, sure, I'll meet you in the woods. And what he finds there is a shallow grave with James in it. Yes. He does not have time to report because he's then shot in the neck with an arrow. And it's a pretty, again, it's a pretty decent effect, better looking than anything in the first Bloody Murder movie, so... Yeah, I was impressed because we're on a close-up of his face, and it looks like the arrow goes into one side of his neck and comes out the other, which I'm not even sure how they pulled that effect off because it looks pretty legit. Like, they just shot the guy through the neck, which obviously we know they didn't. So kudos to them for, like, a very authentic-looking arrow-through-the-neck effect. And then he falls in, and and then uh, the killer starts covering him up. Yeah. And his pager is going off, and the, the killer's burying him with the pager. Yeah, which will be that that annoying pager sound will be important later as well. Yeah, it'll come into play. It's not the last time we have to hear that sound in this movie. And then we have well, then right now we have Tracy with the binoculars like we were talking about. She's out looking for an inner tube, and she sees in the distance, like across the lake or whatever, she sees the killer, or at least someone in like the suit and the mask moving through the trees and stuff, and kind of freaks out and runs runs away. Now two people are missing, so they called the sheriff. Sheriff shows up. And yeah, who, since we don't know what's going on with him just yet, the, uh, I guess this is a spoiler right there, but <laughs> um, <laughs> he seems to have learned no lessons from what happened here five years ago. Because, yeah, he's like, I don't know, the kids just run off, right? I'm sure you'll be fine. I mean, I'm, at least he leaves. He's like, I'll leave a deputy here, which that never works out. But, right. So at least I guess he's taking steps, but he still doesn't seem to be taking any seriously as he should, probably. Right. And then we have Tracy saying that she saw Trevor Morehouse and for some reason, nobody believes her. It's like, I saw Trevor Morehouse. No, you didn't. He's not real. Like, I mean, come on. People are disappearing. The girl says she saw this person who is rumored to have killed many people at this camp. And you're just brushing it off. Like you're just, you're just imagining things. Somebody playing a prank. I don't know, but there's no way you saw Trevor Morehouse, which, okay, technically you're right. It wasn't, but she definitely saw somebody. So you might want to be like, maybe she saw somebody. Maybe we should be a little concerned. Well, and she's easy for them to brush off because she has this history that she's still bothered by. You know, they're like, she's real hung up on this Trevor Morehouse thing because of her brother from five years ago. So she's prone to think of that. Yeah. So it's a little, I wouldn't go so far as to say she's getting gaslighted but it's close <laughs> yeah yeah so she kind of runs nobody's kind of paying attention to her she goes to mike to like get comfort from you know her boyfriend like you know not this is bad nobody's listening to me and, and he turns it into another opportunity to pressure her no means no mike right god damn you <laughs> yeah well we, we will soon learn that he pretty much is a piece of shit yeah much like the boyfriend in the first movie, the main girl's a boyfriend. Yeah, the same thing happened in the first one, too. Yeah, you're right. They did kind of just photocopy some pages from the first script and change the names a little bit. But. Yeah, they. it's kind of like uh, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, but not on the same level of entertainment. But they took the same movie and remade it, but changed a little bit. And Evil Dead 2 did it successfully. They made a good movie. This time around, maybe better than the first movie, but that's not really saying much. Yeah, that's a, that's a low bar to jump over. It's yeah. <laughs> so hard. Yeah. So at this point, the, a lot of the kids are like, or at least half of them are like, we should just go. Because like, two people are missing now? And she saw someone in the woods, and I believe her, I don't, whatever. And Rick's like, okay, 50 bucks to anybody who will stay and help out. Which, that's not enough. $50? Yeah. For my life? No. Keep it. <laughs> no. no, definitely not. 
I mean, I, I've been in a scenario where I used to work as a security guard at uh, a well-known shipping company. And one of the employees got fired and told him he was driving from Chicago down here with the intent of shooting the place up. I was sitting in a guard shack. I get a phone call. Hey, he's in a car. They described the car. If you see that car, stop him. Uh, you pay me minimum wage. He's coming here with the intent of killing people. I'm not stepping in front of that car. No, I'm opening I'm opening the gate for him. <laughs> no, maybe not that far, but I literally told him if I see that car, I'm leaning down to tie my shoe. And once he goes by, I'm getting in my car, driving down the street to the gas station and calling the police from there. I'm not going to be anywhere near a building where somebody's potentially going to be shooting for minimum wage. There, it's not worth my life. It's not worth it for a minimum wage job. So in this scenario, if somebody's like, hey, I'll give you 50 bucks if you stick around where there's a potential killer and clean up. Yeah, no. For 50 bucks. Sorry, dude. Not happening. They also question, Rick. They're like, hey, man, right before Ryan like disappeared, he says he, he got a page from you. What's that all about? And Rick's like, no, I got a page from Ryan saying to go meet somewhere. And when I got there, he wasn't there. Right. And they're like, okay, that's weird. There's a lot of pager business going on in this movie. Then the, it was a little confusing because the girls launched this plan to check Rick's pager. And he's taking a shower and she goes into the, the shower room and she's looking through the pager and all that kind of stuff. And she looks at like one thing and then she puts the pager and runs out and she's like, oh, I saw enough. And I'm like, what could you have possibly seen in that short amount of time that would tell you whether or not he's lying? Yeah. She also says that, like, I didn't see a page to or from Ryan, but I also saw that all the pages from yesterday were erased. If they were erased, how did you see them? Yeah. You can't see erased. Like if you erase a text, it's just gone. It doesn't say there is a text missing here. <laughs> so I don't, I'm not sure how that works either, but. I don't know pages, so what do I know? Also, I don't know if you noticed this, but when she was sneaking in, her tennis shoes were clip-clopping like high heels. Every step she took was like, click, 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 click. And I'm like, tennis shoes don't make a clicking sound on the floor. But then when he turned the shower off, she ran out of the room and her shoes were silent. And I'm like, why were they clip-clopping on the way in, but then completely silent as you ran out? You know, it's an odd bit of sound mix. Yeah, sure. There's a few things in this movie that don't make sense. Like, um, I don't remember which part. I don't know if it's come up or it's already happened, but the one girl is going to start cooking. She says, I'll start cooking dinner. And then they all leave. And when they come back, she's cooking dinner in the kitchen, but there's no lights on. The next time we see her, she's <laughs> cooking. Right. And I'm like, who cooks in the dark? Why wouldn't you turn a light on? Like, I guess they were going for like a creepy, you know, spooky feeling, but I've never went out to cook dinner and left all the lights off in the kitchen while I'm cooking dinner. So at this point, Mike has stormed off because he's been rebuffed by Tracy again and that he's not getting his horny way. So he's driving around and Angela has decided to pick the worst possible time to I'm, I'm going to go. Ryan's missing. My boyfriend's missing. Well, not even we'll find out not even her boyfriend, like just a summer fling because he has a girlfriend back home. Everybody's cheating on everybody. But um I'm going to go out in the woods and look for him, which, what are you doing? Right. <laughs> but she runs into Mike, who's driving, and he's like, hey, you should not be out here getting the car, you know, and proceeds to console her. By console her, I mean put the moves on her, because his girlfriend won't put out. Like, Angela sure will. Everybody knows it. See, this fucking guy is such a dick. Yeah, and she does. He's game for it. Mike, I don't know why you wouldn't just do it in the truck, but they decide to get out and walk around the woods to do it up against a tree or something, but smartly she's like hey do you have a condom and he's like uh no 
She's like, well, too bad. You better go get one then because I'm not doing anything, you know. But he goes back to the cabin to retrieve a condom. At least that's the plan. But when he gets there, he sees Tracy putting a note under the mat to his cabin. So he doesn't go in or he waits till she's gone to go in and get a condom, I guess. And then yeah. goes back on the woods, has sex with Angela. Yeah, he gets the condom, definitely, because they have sex. But it's important that he sees Tracy leaving this note at the end for reasons I'm still not sure about <laughs> as far as how they figure this whole mystery out. But... Yeah, well, the the note comes into play, but he never looked at the note. He just walks over, it goes in and comes back out. I don't think he at any point did he ever actually see the note. No. But then uh, when they are having sex, isn't it Elvis? Yes, Elvis is watching. Them. He comes up and he stands there for a few minutes watching. Then he leaves. And then, of course, being the great friend that he is, he doesn't tell Tracy that he saw her boyfriend having sex with another woman. Yeah. Come on, Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I get you don't want to be involved in the drama, but at the same time, you know she's already been through enough shit. And then you see this dude being or having sex with somebody else. Just tell her. Just be like, hey, you probably don't want to be around this guy anymore. He's no good. Yeah, help her, help her out, man. I'm sure Mike would have just turned it around and made it her fault. Well, obviously, if you would have had sex with me, I wouldn't have had to have sex with her and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, so well, the girls are out looking for Mike and Angela. And Mike's like, oh, shit, he can't, they can't find me here with you. I got to go. So he runs off, leaves Angela in the woods alone. She wanders off, too, and finds Ryan's body. She hears the lovely pager. Yes, hears that pager. That's so important. She hears the pager, and then she goes to investigate, and then she finds his body, but he's only half buried now, which they later say an animal dug him up and pulled his body out of the grave. Sure. I mean, I guess it probably wasn't buried too deep, so it would be possible that an animal may have smelled him and dug him up. But uh, either way, she finds him. She starts freaking out and screaming, as you would expect somebody to do when they find a dead body. Sure. And then, of course, everybody has to come running because why wouldn't you? Your friend is screaming like crazy. You better go figure out what's going on. So they call the sheriff again. He's back. He's like, okay, maybe there's something to this. But he's still not like, I'm closing this fucking camp down. Everyone go home. Right. What he does say is, I guess because it's like crime scene and we don't know it could be one of you. But he's like, I'm going to leave deputies here and nobody leaves until we figure this out. Right. Somebody hears a suspect. But then they ask, hey, can we go take a shower? And he's like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. That's crime scene 101. If you have a murderer in your miss, don't even let them go wash their hands until you check them out. Let them go take wash all the DNA off themselves in a shower. That's ludicrous police. Right. But I mean, come on, man. She was covered in mud, according to her. She had like four or five little streaks of mud on her face. So she had to take a full shower. He was just being a nice guy. And also, he already knew that they were all clean. Yeah, that's true. But he should at least be putting on airs. <laughs> at least be <laughs> pretending to do his job. And Yeah, but, you know. These deputies he leaves behind get got immediately. Because one is standing guard outside of the shower place or whatever, you know, where Elvis apparently was also covered with mud. Because he, he's in taking a shower. One of the girls is in taking a shower. Is it Angela? Of course, we have to see her naked again, right? No, it's Tracy. Tracy's taking a shower, but we don't see. Like, they very purposely aren't showing her naked. Yeah, yeah. We get close to seeing her naked. It gets as close as it can get without showing anything. I think it does show a little bit of butt, but we don't really see a whole lot because I figure uh, they probably figured at this point we've shown enough nudity with the three or four different shots of Angela. 
we don't need anymore. And also the girl that played Tracy was probably like, no, I'm not taking my clothes off for you. Which good for her. I'm always torn in these situations because I'm like, you know, I like boobs. <laughs> I consider myself a connoisseur, honestly. But I also don't like the idea of a woman being pressured to do something she doesn't want to do. So if a woman, either way, there should be no judgment or shame if a woman wants to be naked on camera or does not want to, either way, should be fine. Right. I always feel like if the woman is willing to do it and it makes sense in the scene, go ahead. But like like I said earlier, I felt like some of the scenes on this, they lingered a little too long to where it just felt unnecessary. It's like, we get it. You've got a girl who's willing to be naked and apparently doesn't care how long you keep the camera on her. But we also don't need extended shots of the naked girl. It's not doing anything for the movie. It's just there to satisfy the horny guys who are watching the movie. And I mean, I guess, you know, when I was 17 or 18, I would have been like, yeah, show me more, show me more. But I'm older now and I'm just like, I don't need to see extended boob shots in a movie. No, especially, I mean, when I was a teenager, it was, I'm talking about those witchcraft movies. I watched all that shit, but I didn't have unlimited free pornography at my fingertips on the internet at the time. Right. You know, and now I do. So whatever, like, (laughs) if you don't want to be naked in a movie, don't be naked in a movie. That's your prerogative. I don't need it. It's fine. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, when you're a teenager who either hasn't seen real life boobs or has only seen a couple, you're way more excited about it. When you get older and you've actually seen them in real life, then it's like, okay, you know, like it's not as exciting to see it in a movie anymore because we've already seen it. And so it it gets like, I get why some people think it's like exploiting the woman because when the scenes linger for too long, it starts to feel like it is. It's like, move on, move on. And then, oh, hey, look, there's her boobs again. Oh, hey, look, there's her boobs again. Oh, hey, look, there's a shot of a little bit more than her boobs. Like, come on, man. This is a horror movie. If we wanted to see this much nudity, there are websites for it. It's available. I mean, it's also, I mean, it's kind of a tribute to the older, you know, the 80s slashers that were full of that stuff. And, you know, so. Yeah, but even I get it. In but. the 80s, they didn't linger. In the 80s, it was usually you'd get a quick flash, like maybe not like quick, quick, but you'd see the boobs, but then they'd be gone. They didn't linger on it for as long as they do on this movie. It was like if you were a teenager and you wanted to see it, you had to have your hand on that pause button, hit that pause button. Otherwise, it's gone. Where this movie, yeah. they're like, no, you don't have to pause. We're going to give you plenty of time to check them out and do whatever you need to do. But yeah, so the, there's a deputy station outside who is just like clotheslined or something by this killer. And just late, like he's the most weak ass deputy. He just blindsided. Yeah, he gets hit one time, one hit, and he's knocked out. So it's, it's a good thing you left in there to guard. <laughs> but yeah, so we have Tracy in the shower and the way that it's, this is the only kind of kind of clever part is the way that it's filmed. You see the killer coming into the shower thing and you assume he's coming in because it's cutting back and forth. You assume he's coming into where Tracy's taking a shower right. on side to get her. But then when we cut back, we see that Tracy's like safe and fine and he's in the men's side and he's attacking Elvis. Right. He just stabs the shit out. Yep. So the black guy got got. Yep. Not first, though. So, I mean, good for him. Yeah, they did sidestep that one movie trope of the black guy dying first. They did. He did make it quite a ways into the movie, but he still dies. And there's a lot of screaming, but nobody seems to react to the screaming. Yeah. You know, I mean. He's not being like a tough guy and being like silent. Like he's screaming. He's getting stabbed and screaming as he should. Yeah. And no one comes to investigate. I don't know how far away the two shower houses were, but you would have thought at least Tracy should have heard all that screaming, but she didn't react as if she had heard it 
or maybe she just didn't care. Like, oh, it's just Elvis. I don't like him anyway. Well, she's busy dicking around with, she finds the whatever building or shack or whatever has like the video surveillance that maybe they didn't even know it was there. And she watches the video of Mike. I still don't get exactly what it is that she's seeing that convinces her, but she sees Mike. She sees video of when Mike went back to get the condom after she left the note. He doesn't even bother to look at the note, just goes inside and it comes back out. Right. And that instantly makes her like, oh, Mike's the killer. And then Mike gets arrested for it. No. Explain it to me because I don't get it. <laughs> okay. First of all, she's in a cabin and she's watching it on a laptop, which is weird enough. But yes. she watches the footage. She's there. She leaves the note. She leaves. Then Mike comes up, steps over the note, goes into the door. And then the killer comes out. The guy wearing a mask and the, the hood and all that stuff comes oh, out. That's okay. That's what it is. And so then obviously and naturally she assumes it's Mike because he went in and then he came out in the costume of the killer. So she's convinced that it's Mike and she runs to tell whoever. I, I think she goes to tell the deputy she finds him knocked out. Or does she find him knocked out before? I don't really remember. The other deputy comes up because the sheriff and the other deputy pull up and they find the other deputy and like, oh, somebody hit me. Like, so they get him up on his feet and then Tracy comes out and tells them, come look at this. You know, it's Mike. Right. So the sheriff takes Mike away. We think we're safe. And then Tracy has a dream where like she sees Trevor Morehouse and he takes the mask off and it's Rick. Yeah. So now she's conflicted and torn. Like, oh, even though I have, I thought I saw video evidence of my boyfriend being killed. I had a dream. So now maybe it's not him. Maybe it's him. Yeah. And then for some reason, she decides to go back and watch the footage again. And on the second viewing, she notices the note is under the door when Mike goes in. But when the killer comes out, the note has disappeared. So yes. she makes the determination that somehow somebody edited the surveillance footage very quickly and put it in place where she could find it and assume Mike was a killer. Very quickly. Um, Angela admits to Tracy's face like it can't be Mike because he was with me like what do you mean he was with you like he was with me like we were out in the woods so she's his alibi so now Tracy's even more convinced that like well that sucks that my boyfriend was cheating on me but I guess it doesn't suck as much as him being a killer (laughs) yeah well she said something like uh when this is all over I'll kick your ass or she makes some kind of comment and then Angela kind of smiles like I don't know. It was kind of weird because it's like she doesn't seem to be too upset that her boyfriend was cheating on her with Angela. I guess if you think your boyfriend's a killer, finding out that he cheated on you isn't going to really matter. Yeah, that's the lesser of two evils, I guess. Yeah, he's a he's a psychopath serial killer. He cheated on me. Who cares? Big deal. At least he didn't kill me, I guess. Yeah, so here's where they get their comparing pagers plan. They're going to steal or they're going to look at Rick's pager and they're going to I guess they've recovered Ryan's from the shallow grave or something and they're going to compare. No, that's when Angela Angela goes to get it. Oh, that's why she was. I was wondering why she was wandering around the woods by herself again while there's a killer on the loose. <laughs> yeah, it's just, Tracy says, I'll go get Rick's pager and then you go find Ryan's pager, which I thought was kind of weird because once they came and found his body, wouldn't they have taken the pager and everything with him? You would think. Like, they go, oh, we're going to take the body, but just leave the pager behind. Just throw it over here on the ground and leave it. But Tracy takes Sophie with her. Like, she's smart enough to be like, hey, buddy system. Whereas Angela's like, I guess there's no one left for me to so I'll just go on my own. Yeah, which I thought their plan was kind of backwards anyway, because Angela obviously is like the sexy girl, right? She's coming on to all these different guys and everything. So I thought they were going to send Angela to kind of seduce Rick 
and in the process steal his pager. But instead, she goes out in the woods to look for the, uh, Ryan's pager. And then Tracy goes and tiptoes in her very loud shoes into the shower room to try to take a look at his pager while he's showering and almost gets caught doing it. So their plan was not very well thought out. Yeah, so she looks at the pages and she's like, oh, he was lying about, like, he's deleted all these pages. And also, there was never one from Ryan. So he's lying about that. And she confronts him with it. And he's very, you know, like, that's not what's going on. You don't know what you're talking about. And then Angela gets killed while she's out wandering in the woods. Somehow. She just gets kind of, like, stabbed in the head and falls over. Yeah, she gets hit in the head with some sort of blade. Yes. And while Tracy is confronting Rick, Sophie's out looking out in the woods looking for Angela because she's the other half of the famous pager plan and finds her body. But I will say she is clearly still breathing. <laughs> when she finds her, the actress is not holding her breath at all. Yeah. Very, very visible. <laughs> yeah, it happens. She's getting another take. That's all I'm saying. It was cold out there. She was struggling to hold her breath. Maybe uh, in their small viewfinder, it didn't look like she was breathing and nobody bothered to check. Or maybe they thought we wouldn't notice. Yeah, or you're burning, you know, you don't have time to shoot it again or money to shoot it again. So we're just going to go with it. Or they just didn't care. They're like, you can see her breathing. Who cares? Whatever. Yeah. So Rick is chasing Tracy around the camp and the sheriff rolls up just in time to shoot Rick and save Tracy. So again, for the second time, we think everything's cool now. He loads Tracy in the car with him and they're driving away. And then he starts villain monologuing <laughs> and just gives away the whole, the sheriff's the killer. That's where we're at. Yep. Well, the whole Rick thing was kind of weird anyway, because he was like chasing her down. She's clearly freaked out thinking he's a killer. And instead of him, like just kind of backing off and, you know, waiting to talk to her, he's like, Tracy, Tracy, come back, Tracy, Tracy. And he's like chasing after her all through the, through the camp. And I'm like, dude, she thinks you're a killer. Why are you chasing after her? You're not helping the situation at all. No, the way to do it would be like, hey, to prove to you I'm not the killer, I'm going to sit down in this chair and sit on my hands and you can sit and talk like, <laughs> you know, don't chase her around. Right. But yeah, so the sheriff is the killer because is it his son was Trevor Morehouse? Yes. He is Trevor's dad. Yes. And she fails to notice when she gets in the police truck with the sheriff, somehow fails to notice that her boyfriend is in the backseat dead. Until the very last second. <laughs> Until the sheriff talks about him. Points it out to her. Like, oh, by the way, your boyfriend's in the backseat. And she looks. He says something. Then he says, right, Mike? And he, like, looks over his shoulder. And then she looks back. And that's when she sees him back there all bloody. I just don't know how you missed that. Like, I know it's nighttime, but I don't know. <laughs> I feel like you would notice that. But anyway. She was too freaked out. She wasn't paying attention. And Sophie, so the sheriff takes Tracy out into the woods. He's going to kill her, but Sophie saves her. She like tackles the sheriff or knocks the gun out of his hand or something. So that the girls can both run away. And he's chasing after him. He's chasing after him. And then the sheriff gets killed by finally, I guess, question mark, the real Trevor Morehouse, who is his son, he said. So I'm confused. Yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. The very end of the movie is completely blank for me because I fell asleep. I woke up, realized I fell asleep, backed it up to the scene that I remembered, hit play, and then fell asleep again. So the last thing that I saw when I woke up was the two girls just walking. So I missed that part. I didn't know exactly how it ended as far as what happened to the sheriff. I had just assumed that the girls killed him and they were walking off happily into the woods together. Uh, he's, yeah, he's chasing Sophie and then he's kind of, the girls kind of reunite in the woods and then he's chasing both of them. 
And they kind of just, he's chasing them and Trevor Moore else just steps out and find a thing and decapitates him and the girls get away and roll credits. That's it. <laughs> or at least who we assume is, it's someone dressed like it's someone in the thing, you know, in the outfit. Yeah. So maybe it's not actually Trevor Morales. We've never actually seen him before. But if that's your kid, why is he killing? I don't know. Yeah. Then no explanation. So I don't know. Uh, they they did make a third movie, but I don't think the third movie is going to answer any questions because it's not called Bloody Murder Three. It's called I think it's called The Graveyard, and it's like what? it's vaguely tied to the Trevor Morehouse saga, but it doesn't follow anything to do with the camp or anything like that. I don't remember the exact storyline. I picked up the DVD on eBay for three bucks just because I'm like, if I'm going to watch the first two, I might as well finish the trilogy. But after reading the description of it, I'm not sure how much of a trilogy it is because it seems like it's more like a whole different story. But the legend of Trevor Morehouse is somehow involved or tied into it in some way. So I don't know. I'll have to watch it at some point and find out. I mean, good on them for... You wouldn't think that the first Bloody Murder, which I can't imagine came out in the theaters, was successful enough that they made not only a sequel, but two sequels, sort of. Like, good on them, I guess. Yeah, I think the third one had a bigger budget, if I remember. I think I read that it was like a little bit more of a budget to it. And that's why it's not Bloody Murder 3. I think they kind of wanted to make it kind of like uh, what they did with Evil Dead. And then they did Army of Darkness which is obviously a sequel to the Evil Dead movies, but it's not called Evil Dead. They kind of wanted it to be able to be a standalone movie. Or maybe it was even a weird rights thing, like the Child's Play movies had to start being called Chucky instead of Child's Play because they didn't have that the rights to that name. Or like Jason Goes to Hell couldn't be called Friday the 13th, whatever. You know, like there's these Jason X didn't have Friday the 13th in the title at all. There's these weird rights kind of issues sometimes. It's hard telling. But that's the movie. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's not good. Better than the first one, I think. But. I mean, it wasn't horrible. It was watchable. I didn't feel like I wanted yeah. to turn the movie off. I was able to sit through it other than the end, but I didn't fall asleep because I was bored or because the movie was absolutely disgustingly horrible. I fell asleep because I was running on three hours of sleep anyway. And it, it was sure. late. It was the time that I would normally be going to bed and I just couldn't manage to stay awake. I intended to go back and watch the end of the movie once I was more awake. And then honestly, I just forgot. I forgot it until you brought it up and I'm like, oh shit. No judgment for me. I fell asleep watching a movie in the middle of the day today. So <laughs> <laughs> you're fine. Yeah. Well, when you wake up at three o'clock in the morning, but you don't go to bed till, you know, 11, 12 o'clock at night, sometimes it's hard to stay awake. It'll catch up to you. Movies got to be really exciting. And even then I've fallen asleep watching really good movies before and had to go back later and finish them. I don't know. I mean, I guess for a, for a low budget, clear and obvious ripoff of Friday 13th, you know, you could do worse. I guarantee you there's worse versions of that out there. Yeah, there's movies out there that are clearly shot on VHS camcorder with people who've never acted a day in their life. You know, in this movie, some of the people felt like they may have had some experience. Um, I normally would look it up on IMDb. I didn't this time around. I, I did. <laughs> did any of them have any other experience prior to this? No, that's, I mean, that's how I found out that the director did some other stuff. But yeah, a lot of the, most of the cast, their one credit is Bloody Murder 2. So it is what it is. So yeah, I don't know. Bloody Murder 2, I'd say it's nothing to run out and make an effort to find and watch. But if you find yourself watching it, you don't have an all right time. You're not going to hate your life. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be all right. If you've got a few hours to kill and you feel like watching 
okay horror movie. Uh, they are both, I believe, on Tubi and I think IMDb TV. Um, yeah. So you can watch them both for free uh, with limited commercial interruption or not. I don't know how many commercials are in them because uh, I have the DVD. Uh, just just to clarify, I bought one of them like bargain bin Walmart eight horror movies on in one disc package deal things. And these movies were on it. I didn't specifically go out and buy these two movies. They just happened to be on a DVD. And I randomly picked a DVD to do our first episode on. And this was the movie that we decided on was Bloody Murder. And then after watching it, I just kind of felt like I need to see the second one. I need to see where it's going to go. And it really didn't go anywhere. It pretty much went right down the same road the first one was on. So it is what it is. Fair assessment, yes. And so uh, on this show, we do the rating system with uh, something very familiar to people from the Midwest, and that's corn cobs. I'm not sure how much corn is around where you live, but around where I live, it's everywhere. You can't turn around without seeing cornfields. They're everywhere. We got some. Not not quite like you do, but we got some. Yeah, I, I mean, I literally, my, my job is literally driving through cornfields in the middle of the night. And then in the summertime when the corn is growing, it's a little creepy. I'm not going to lie. The the cornfields in the night, you, you constantly think something's going to just come jumping out of the corn, which does occasionally happen and that being usually deer. But my brain always goes to like, you know, is a Sasquatch or a serial killer or a crazed little kid that wants to kill me. Like there's so many different things that could come running out of that corn. Um, and up to this point, it's only been deer. Which is scary enough, because if you hit a deer, it's not fun. See, and that's that's what's great about horror. You know, people might be like, why do you like horror so much, specifically of all the genres, you know? Because even though we are, I wouldn't say old men, but we are grown-ass men who know better. Yes. But you can still have moments of the heebie-jeebie, you know, <laughs> like what's in the dark, you know? If you think I, in my early 40s, do not still occasionally go into the bathroom and open the shower curtain because why is the shower curtain closed and who's in there? You're crazy. <laughs> I know there's no one in there, but you got to look sometimes and it's silly and stupid, but that's human nature. And that's why horror is great because it feeds on that primal shit inside of us that we can't help. Oh yeah. I listen to a, a podcast occasionally that um, it's like they tell horror stories, but it's not just somebody reading a story. They create them like they act out the stories. And I've occasionally been listening to it and they'll have sound effects and music and all that. And I get this creepy feeling like somebody's in my backseat and I'm not going to lie. I'm a little nervous to look. I'm like, if I don't look, I'll never know. But if I look and there's somebody there, I'm, I'm shitting my pants. Even though I know for an absolute fact I'm alone in the car, part of my brain is like, there's somebody in the back seat. And I've actually turned on my interior lights and looked in the mirror, fully expecting to have somebody staring back at me, which of course it's never happened. And I really don't think it ever will. But I mean, that's just how well they tell the story to where your imagination starts to take over. And you're like, I'm not alone in this car right now. And uh, it happens in the house sometimes. You know, you get that feeling like I'm not alone in my house. Uh, I hear sounds. Recording this podcast, I had an incident where I heard sounds coming from down the hallway and I was the only one home. And when the episode ended, I swore I heard sound like something coming from down the hall. And I was freaked out to go and look until finally my, my rational brain kicked in. And I said, dude, you have a cat. It's probably just the cat, which I never did 
fully investigate, but I'm just going to go ahead and assume that the cat was just playing with something down the hall and making noise because I'm still alive. So if there was something down there, it didn't kill me. So I don't care. You know, ghosts are more than welcome to be in my house as long as they leave me alone. Well, but just now for me, do me a favor. Now, going forward, if you hear sounds and things, check it out or leave because it, it, there might be a man living in your, in your walls. <laughs> remember that. Yeah, I mean, until I definitely know that somebody's not living in the walls, I will definitely be a little bit more cautious. But at that time, I knew he wasn't living in my walls because we were recording the podcast. Unless he was recording from inside my walls, which would be quite an accomplishment. <laughs> the calls coming from inside the house. <laughs> yes. So, but yes, going forward, if I hear any noises, I will definitely make sure that it's a cat and not a person who is angry and wants to murder me. Yes, not a former podcast co-host who I, I feel all right because he doesn't he has no idea where I live or even who I am. <laughs> so I'm, I'm worried more about you. <laughs> he definitely knows where I live, but I think I'm OK. I, I, I don't think I'm going to meet the same fate as my last sort of kind of almost new co-host, which, by the way, he made a full recovery and he's doing just fine. Oh, good. I, lo I love that. For me. Good job. He's he's fine. Uh, he he's uh, starting up his own podcast. From what I understand, he doesn't even remember anything about what happened that day. And uh, I just like to keep it that way. Yeah. Lucky break. Yes. Yes. So uh, he talks to me often about, hey, when are you going to have me on your show? And I'm like, you know, hey, one of these days, maybe one day we'll get him on the show and then uh, we'll we'll pretend like we don't know anything about what happened and everybody will be happy. Keep it to myself. Yes. But before we wrap it up, uh, let's do the. One out of 10 corn oh, cob right. rating. <laughs> Got sidetracked there. <laughs> yeah, it happens. For this movie, um, I don't remember what I gave the first movie. So I might be giving this one the same, better or worse. I don't know. But I'm just going off this movie. I'm going to say this movie. I would give this one three and a half, maybe four. But I'm going to go with three and a half corn cobs because it's not horrible, but it's not great. But it's watchable. I'm going to go ahead and say four. Because I feel like five is like average and this is a little below average, but it's not horrible. So I'm going to say a four out of 10. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but I also wouldn't say, you know, don't watch it. I mean, if you want to watch it, go ahead. But I'm not going to say it's a must see movie by any means. Hmm, let me think here. I would go. Yeah, I think a three and a half, three, three and a half is a decent, you know, slightly, maybe even. I don't know if that's generous or not. But. Right. So you're saying three, three and a half. I'm saying three and a half, four. So we'll just cut it right in the middle and say we're going to give it a three and a half. Works for me. We'll just say three and a half. Not a great movie. Not a horrible movie. Not a movie that I'll ever watch again. But worth a watch if you're bored. Really, really bored. And you want to see something that sort of resembles Friday the 13th, but made very poorly. Or if you want to see long, extended, lingering shots of one woman's breasts. <laughs> If that's your thing. Well, I mean, it, with the absence of a new, you know, who knows when the, we're going to have a new Friday 13th movie. So if that's your jam and you're longing for it and you're missing it, you can do worse than a subpar ripoff. But, you know, if that's all you have, you know, if that's your dollar store version, you know, better than nothing, maybe. If that's if you're that kind of person, go for it. Right? Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it, it is what it is. Watch it. Don't watch it. Either way, doesn't uh, doesn't make a difference to me. Doesn't affect my life. Nope. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. We are out there, uh, Instagram and Twitter at Maniacs Pod, Facebook, Midwest Movie Maniacs, Slasher, Midwest Movie Maniacs, 
or email midwestmoviemaniacs at gmail.com. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Send us messages. Tell us that you hate the movie. Tell us that you love the movie. Tell us that you hate us. Tell us that you love us. Tell us uh, your favorite recipe. Send us pictures of your dogs and cats, whatever it is you want to do. It's cool. No guarantee we're going to respond if you send us weird shit. But if that's your thing. Yeah, I in particular would love to hear that I suck and that you would rather have a confirmed attempted murderer back on the show instead. (laughs) (laughs) Alleged. Alleged, yes. Yes, yes. And with that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up today. Now, if you enjoyed what you heard from us right here, you can check us out together as I'm a guest on Heath's podcast, That's So Random, where we are discussing Wolf Creek. And I usually don't tell you what movie we're going to be discussing here next, but this time I can actually tell you on our next episode we will be discussing Wolf Creek 2. So, head over to That's So Random, hear our thoughts on Wolf Creek, then tune in right here for our next episode, where we will be discussing Wolf Creek 2. So, with that being said, we're out of here, everybody. Until next time, see ya! Bye. Catch me if you can. <laughs>